Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Uh, so this morning, we're going to finish up our series called At the Table. And I've been so thankful for, uh, for this series. I hope it's been as much of a blessing to you as it has been to me. Pastor has been talking about um, you know, God has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And we've talked about the enemies uh, that try to come against us, the enemies of sickness and uh, lack, financial lack. And uh, he talked about pressure last week. If you didn't hear last week's, please go listen to it. I almost just said, why am I preaching today? And just played his message from last week because uh, we, could, we could stand to listen to it again and again and again. Uh, but nevertheless, here I am. <laughs> so um, this morning, actually the Lord sort of uh gave me a little bit of a detour this <laughs> this morning as I was praying. I'm like, Lord, you're funny. I've been preparing for it for a while. And uh, it's along the similar lines, but um, this morning the Lord is just speaking to me about what to do, how to get back to the table, uh, how to get back to the table. Because if you're, if you're like me, do you ever get, do you ever read like Psalm 23, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. It's just like, isn't it just like pure, perfect bliss like that you're reading about in this psalm and he, he restores my soul. He, uh, he, he, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my, and my cup overflows and it's like, oh. And then five minutes later, one of my kids start yelling at each other. And then I'm like, stop that. Stop hitting your brother or sister. And after, after a while, those, those still waters become like raging rivers, you know, like, oh, I need to get back. And then I get back to Psalm 23. You know, do you ever get frustrated with yourself? Like, do you ever, are you ever just like, why can't I just like live here? Why is it that I so easily forget? Why is it that I so easily wander away uh, from this table. And, uh, you know, I find that the problem is not that necessarily that we don't know what's on the table that he provides. The problem is often that we wander far off and then often we don't know how to get there, how to get back to the table. And we try to get back the wrong way. Uh, and uh, maybe, you, maybe you're like that in your life. I really, in my heart this morning, uh, just felt like there are some people that are just maybe kind of far from the table. Uh, it, you know it deep down. Maybe no one will be able, be able to tell, but maybe, maybe something's happened and you've, been, you've kind of wandered away from the table and we need to get back to the table. So we're going to talk about that. I learned this lesson uh, a little bit the hard way uh, when I was in college or actually in high school and I was making my college decision. Now, it may not sound like a huge deal, you know, but how many know, like, when you're a teenager, things are like a way bigger deal than they are, you know, to other people. <laughs> and so uh, this decision of where to go to college was, was like this, this, the first, like, fork in the road I had faced uh, in my life. And I was, like, just, I was seen in my youth group as a leader and in my school as this Christian leader. And, 
if I'm being honest, I kind of kind of prided myself in like being able to hear from God, like knowing, like following the voice of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I I I, I even like was teaching other people about how to do that, and uh, and so I kind of prided myself on, on that. And so it came time to make this decision, uh, and there were two schools that I was choosing. Uh, and it just so happened that uh, my girlfriend and I were choosing between the t- same two schools. My girlfriend's sitting on the front row, by the way. Uh, <laughs> she's now my wife, just to be clear about that. Uh, and we were high school sweethearts, and we were both deciding on where to go to college. And we both had one school in mind that we felt like this was where God wanted us to go. Like we had the peace in our hearts, you know, like we had prayed about it. We, we had all the warm, fuzzy feelings when we walked on the campus of this school. And so we're believing God for the money. It's coming in in Jesus name. He provides all of my needs according to his original glory by Christ Jesus. Come on. And, uh, so we're like, I got it. It's ours. Well, uh, I got the money that I needed, but she did not. And so she chose to go to the other school. Now I said, wait a minute, like here, here I am. I know in my heart what I feel like is where God wants me to go. But then there's the girl. Don't, don't look at me in those, with those judgmental eyes this morning. Guys, you've done the same thing. Don't even lie. Scott, no, no. <laughs> so here I am with this decision and it, and it feel, it may not feel again like major to you, but it was major to me. Uh, it was like, what are you going to do in this moment? Are you going to follow the voice of God? Or are you going to follow the girl? And honestly, I felt so powerless in, in, in that moment. And I chose the girl. Don't judge me. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Uh, and actually ended up down the road, I realized like some of this was just in my mind even. Like it wasn't even a failure in my mind. But in that moment, it felt like a failure. You ever have those moments where you just feel like a failure? You just feel like, well, I just blew that. And I, I didn't even feel powerless to like change my mind. You know, you can transfer schools, but I just never even felt like enough, enough strength to be able to do that. And so, you know, the, a year went by, two years went by. My, my, my college career actually really was so fruitful. God was so gracious to me and I experienced so much favor and there were open doors and I was able to experience a lot of really cool things. But inside, inside was a mess. Have you ever been just in a mess inside? Like you put on a good face, no one would ever know, but you do. And you know, something's just not right. And that was me. Uh, that was me. And it, and it, and it really, I would, I would use the words depression, uh, where I really fell into this deep, dark pit. Now, mind you, I'm still lead worship at my church. I'm a part of the campus ministry. I'm going on mission trips. But deep down was this, this distance I felt between me and the Lord, because I felt like he was, he was mad. I felt this disapproval from my father. And, uh, and so uh, it, was, it was the darkest place of my life, to, to be honest with you. And no one ever, no one knew about it. I was so far from the table. And uh, the Lord gently and tenderly brought me, brought me back to the table. Uh, and I want to kind of talk about that process. Um, and I want to use uh, 1 Corinthians to do it. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So, 
let me give you some, some context here. Paul is having to correct the Corinthians on communion. Now, I should have said this at the beginning, but we're going to take communion today. Uh, we talk about, it, it, we call it the communion table. We don't really have a table set up, but it is the communion table. And, you know, this series we've been in is called At the Table, about Psalm 20, the table in Psalm 23. But that table actually is prophetically speaking of the table to come. Uh, and that table was the table of the Last Supper, where Jesus, the night that he was betrayed and he was arrested, he had this one final supper where he sat with his disciples and he took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he took the blood and he said, this is my blood spilled for you, poured out for you. And he said, do this as, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. And so what he's saying in that moment really was like everything you need, everything you love about the Psalm 23 table, it's actually found in me. Jesus was saying every provision that you need, all, Jesus said, I am Psalm 23. I am the still waters. I'm the green pastures. I'm the table in the presence of your enemies. I'm your overflowing cup. Jesus was saying, like, this is who I am. And he said, you need to do this often. You need to eat and drink together and do this often to remember me. And so uh, that's how the early church started. Uh, from that point on, after Jesus rose and the Holy Spirit fell in Acts and the church started their life together, they said, okay, we need to make this the center of what we do. Because uh, it was important enough for Jesus to say these as his last words here before he died. And so they instituted communion as a regular practice. The Bible even says daily. They met together, they broke bread together, they remembered the body and the blood of Jesus. Well, how many of you know, after a while, uh, the more routine you get about things, the more familiar things are, sometimes the more, the more of a temptation it is to lo lose the meaning of it. Uh, you know, those things that we grow familiar with, we don't, often don't give as much heart attention to. Husbands, remember this about your wives, wives, husbands. Sometimes the people that we're most familiar with, we don't give as much attention to, right? These things we grow familiar with, we just, we just sort of kind of go through the motions with it. And so Paul is having to correct uh, the Corinthian church because they've gotten in some bad practices. They've wandered away from the true heart of the table. And Paul is sort of instructing them on how to get back to the table. So it, it fits in our theme of here of how to get back to the table. See, they were, um, they were discriminating against one another. They weren't treating each other properly. They were uh, e eating too much of the communion food. They were stuffing themselves and, you know, not everybody could get some. And uh, they were getting drunk off the wine, uh, which won't happen today, by the way, because we've got tiny little cups and they're not wine. Uh, so you won't get drunk. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, but here, this is what they were doing. And Paul is like, no, 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 you've forgotten what the table is. Like, you know, you need to come back to the table, not, not, not just physically, but like in your heart, you need to come back to the table. And so I think we can all, we can all relate in the sense uh, of not, maybe not getting drunk off the wine, hopefully a communion wine, but we can relate in the sense of sometimes those things we do routinely, even coming to church on a Sunday, uh, even worship, even reading our Bible daily, devotions, like it's a reminder for us to make sure our hearts are truly connected with what our hands are doing. And so uh, I want to read this just as instruction for, 
for all of us. So here's Paul in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, verse 23. And it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Uh, see, he wasn't there. Paul wasn't there at the Last Supper, but uh, the Lord revealed this to him in a vision. And he supernaturally knew, uh, you know, he was able to tell them what happened at the Last Supper. He said that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, this is interesting, will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Next verse, but let a man examine himself. Everybody say, examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. Look at this next part, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, what does that mean? Not discerning the Lord's body. So what was happening here is sort of what I was describing. They were coming and they were partaking of the elements of communion, but they weren't esteeming it for what it was. Uh, they weren't esteeming the body of Christ for what it actually meant. They weren't esteeming the blood of Jesus for what it actually meant. And oh man, I pray this morning you don't leave this place without knowing uh, what that broken body meant for you. Whew. Have you stopped and just reflected lately about what that broken body meant for you? Isaiah said that he was bruised. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. Like this body, it's not just a ritual we go through. It is, it is truth we live by. It literally is food that we need to feed on every day. Uh, it, it, when, when we go through things in life, uh, you know, we, we need to come back to these truths. This is why Jesus said, remember it. Not just because it's a good ritual to do, but because there's truths in here that you need. We need to know that healing is provided in the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's plenty of people, uh, wonderful believers, love the Lord. They don't believe that. Uh, we bless them, not speaking ill of them, but they don't believe that. And, and, you know, there, there's, there's plenty of situations we'll talk about, too, that uh, where uh, this comes to a head where it's like, do we really believe what he did for us? Because look and see what happens in the next verse. If you don't properly discern the body, it said, verse 30 says, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Now, here's verse 31. This is interesting. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Now that word judge is maybe a little bit scary to you. Maybe it conjures up feelings of, from you where you're like, yep, that's the Lord. He's, he's the judge looking to like drop the hammer on me when I mess up. And you know, that's what the world thinks of God. That's what the enemy wants you to think of God. But here in this context, it's not talking about God sending down punishment on them for taking of the elements properly. It, what, this, what Paul is saying is you're bringing judgment on yourself by not, by not uh, taking your medicine, so to speak. 
you know, if you don't take your medicine properly, uh, the sickness is going to judge you. <laughs> uh, circumstances are going are gonna to judge you. And Paul is saying, because we live in this fallen world where there's, there's brokenness because of our sin, we go through these situations that are going to try us and they're going to test us. And so Paul is saying, you need to know, we've got the antidote right here. You need to know what Jesus has provided as, as the cure. His body is the cure for your sickness. You need to know that uh, the chastisement of our peace was upon him so that when anxiety and fear hit you, you need to know that there's an answer for that. And you need to esteem this word for what it is. And if you don't, that fear, that circumstance that's coming against you, it will judge you. God's not sitting up there hammering you, but no, your situations in life. Anybody ever feel judged in life? Or any situations coming against you right now that are bringing up fear, that are bringing up anxiety, that are bringing up worry? Are you, you're being judged. <clears throat> you're being tested. And this is what Paul is saying is, is many are weak and sick among you because you're not taking your medicine properly. You're not, you're not esteeming the body and the blood of Jesus for what it is. Because if you did, man, you, you would have enough to, to pass the test. You would have, a, you have enough to pass the test. So Paul is saying, you, you, when you come to the table, you need to judge yourself. You need to judge yourself so that, so that this sickness doesn't judge you. You need to judge yourself. If, so if we judged ourselves and we came and you said, we said, you know what? Man, I, 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 need to, I need to read some more healing scriptures today. I, I need, I need, I have to, this has to get down in me. I've been in those moments in my life. I remember my, my dad, when he was diagnosed with, with cancer, very serious stage four cancer, I wasn't ready for it. Uh, you know, I was even, I was in ministry. I've grown up around these things, but I knew I'd grown weak in this area. I knew I had grown weak in faith for healing. And so I knew I needed to get stronger so I could help stand with him. I judged myself. And I recognized a weakness in myself. And it was, it was good for me to do that. And it's good for us to do that. That when we come, we, we judge ourselves and we, we examine ourselves. You know, examining, judging, you know, a judge looks for evidence, Right? A judge is looking for evidence of something. Well, what does the Bible uh, say about faith? In, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The what? Anybody know? Yes, the evidence of things not seen. And so what Paul is saying is you need to judge yourself and you need to look for evidence. Do I really believe this? Do I really believe in the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus for me? Do I really believe his love for me? Do I really believe that he provides all of my needs according to his riches and glory? <clears throat> it's one thing to sing about the Lord, my provider, Jira, he's more than enough. You know, and then you get that bill in the mail that you weren't expecting. And you're like, oh, what am I going to do? It's like, wait, wait, where was Jira? You are enough. Wait, where was that? You know, where was that? <clears throat> Is it possible that maybe there needs to be, be some judgment happening? You know, God gave us the ability to judge. We all know this. Was anybody around some judgmental people for Thanksgiving at all? <laughs> you know, I had to repent a little bit, to be honest with you, because we went back to my hometown and, 
you know, we're around family and, you know, you feel most comfortable with family, but you also feel the most judgmental about family sometimes. And it's like, why are they doing this? Why do they do that? Why did they put that on the wall? Why did they paint this, the, the wall that color? You know, you just get judgmental. And I was like, Lord, I'm sorry for getting so judgmental. And if my mother-in-law is listening to this, I'm sorry for being judgmental. And Nana, <clears throat> um, and, uh, and so, but, but we're made to judge, you know, it's like, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to get married? Why don't you stop having kids? Uh, it, it's, it's all these questions, people feel the right to judge people, but you know, it's actually a gift. We're made in the image of God. God is the ultimate judge and we're made with the glorious capacity to, to judge ourselves and we need it. We need it. Why? Because it's a lot worse to be judged by, by sickness it's a lot worse to be judged by lack or a, a spiritual attack that we weren't ready for. And so it, it would behoove us to come to the table today. We're going to take communion. And I, I encourage you to examine yourself and judge yourself. Uh, is there, is there a, an area of your life where you need to shore up that you're not particularly strong in? Uh, is there, is there a, a circumstance right now in your life that's judging you? Uh, and and you've, there's these feelings of anxiety or worry or fear or doubt or whatever. These, these, are, these are to point you back to the table. So back to my story, uh, college story. I'm in this dark place. I'm in this depression. And I, I, I realize the Lord's bringing me back to communion with himself. And I realized that I had built this foundation of security on my ability to hear from him that I felt like God was more pleased with me. God was pleased with me because of how good of a Christian I am. Uh, God was pleased with me because I had strong faith and I could hear his voice. And, you know, I felt secure and confident because other people looked at me as like, you know, a, a great Christian. And, you know, I'm a three on the Enneagram. So I just felt successful. Like I wanted to accomplish, you know, reach the, the, the pinnacle of, uh, of, of faith and spirituality. And, I felt like I had done that. And then this situation, this failure I experienced, it judged me. It, it, it judged uh, the foundation I sort of built my comfort and my security on. And so in this dark place, I had to learn how to build it on something else. And the Lord brought me back to the table. And I, I, it was this long process. It was a very long <laughs> process of discerning the body again. And I had to discern that this body was broken for me, that, 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 uh, that, that any, every failure and mistake I've ever made or ever will make was under the blood of Jesus. I had to examine myself and judge and discern his blood to be stronger than any, any failure, any sin that I could ever commit. His grace is sufficient for me. His grace is sufficient for you this morning. So I had to come to this place where uh, the Lord brought me back to the table and it was, it was kind of painful. It, 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 was, it was very painful to come because I felt such shame. But the Lord, man, he just caused me to see that like that coming to this table is not about my goodness. Do you know that this table in Psalm 23, it's not a reward for your goodness. It, it, is, it is your reward for his goodness. It is your reward for what Jesus accomplished. We come to the table not based on our own accomplishments, but upon his accomplishments. He lived the perfect life that you and I could not live. He went through what you and I could not go through. And because of that, we get to share in his reward. Woo!
because of that. And that which means no failure can disqualify you from the table. Man, that's good news, people. Like that means nothing you could do, nothing you do could ever mess up your seat at the table. So what could possibly be keeping us from the table? Well, I think it's sometimes just a matter of, do I really believe this? Uh, do I need to examine myself? Do I need to, do I need to judge myself and maybe make a, a correction here? And so, um, so we need, we need to ask ourselves these things. We need to come and we need to uh, partake well of the table. So let me just sum that up. These are my original notes that I gave them, but of how to partake well. And I think that would be good for us even, to, even, as, even in this sort of different direction of getting back to the table. It'd be good for us to look how to partake well of the table. So just to sum up what we just went through, partaking well requires remembering. Partaking of the table requires remembering the body and the blood of Jesus, remembering constantly what he did for you. Uh, partaking well uh, requires discernment of the body. Do you believe, do you know uh, what the body means for you? Do you know what the blood means for you? And I will add to this one part of that, that passage where it says discern the body. It's also, it's not just talking about the body of Christ for healing. It's talking about the body of Christ, us. Because one of their problems that the Corinthians were dealing with, they were, they were mistreating one another. And this is why there was sickness among them. They were mistreating one another. They didn't esteem this fellowship of believers. Do you esteem this body of believers? Are you connected here? Are you connected with people here? Do you value the relationships in this room? It's, it's, a, it's a question of our, of, that we need to judge ourselves on. Because uh, it may just be that you're cutting off a supply that you need, that you're being judged on. <laughs> a situation is judging you and you need a supply that's actually in somebody else. Woo. And so we need to properly discern the body in that way. And then three, we need partaking well requires examination and judgment. Again, we need to look and assess ourselves, examine ourselves for evidence. And because what, what are we looking for? What evidence is that? Well, we're looking for faith. The partaking of the table essentially requires faith. Do you have faith in your heart? Uh, and that, that's, thankfully, faith, faith comes by grace. We, we were saved by grace through faith. That faith is not of ourselves. What does the Bible say? It's a gift from God. And so there's actually so much hope when we talk about this, when we talk about looking for faith. Sometimes there's this feeling of like, well, I don't think I have faith. Are you a believer? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? If you could place your faith in Jesus uh, to where you believe that you were raised from death and, and now you're alive again, you can have faith for pretty much anything. And I think sometimes we just need to have faith in our faith. You need to walk around saying, you know what? I'm a believer. Let's say, that, say it together. Say, I'm a believer. I have faith. That's what the Bible says about you is you have faith. Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, and oftentimes I think it's not necessarily about a lack of faith. It's about the presence of unbelief. The presence of unbelief is different than an absence of faith. That in our garden of faith, in our garden, we've got faith growing up, but we've also got so many things that try to choke out that faith. We've got unbelief. 
I think part of what Paul is talking about here is you need to judge that unbelief. You need to say, get out of here, unbelief. I'm a believer. I've got faith in my heart. Faith is a mustard seed is powerful when it's the only thing in your garden. But when you've got unbelief growing up in your garden, that faith can operate like it's supposed to. Does that make sense? You follow me? I take the silence as meditation, so that's good. Uh, it's good to meditate. This is a kind of a meditation message, but it's good. And so we need to examine ourselves on these things. And we need to come back to the table. Maybe you're in this place, and this is what I had in my heart, where you feel far from the table, that life has judged you, a, cir- a circumstance, a situation has judged you, and you, you're not sure how to get back, and you just feel far. Like nobody maybe even would know it. You, you're, everything on the outside looks great. <clears throat> Circumstances, other circumstances may be fine, but maybe you just feel in your heart, you just feel distant, and you feel far. God wants you to come back to the table. I want to close with the story of Peter. I love this story. Peter, as you may know, he denied Jesus three times. Actually, right after the communion table, (laughs) right after the Lord's Supper, he gets up and then goes and denies Jesus. So we're in good company when we walk away from the table and we forget and we're judged. That was the boat Peter was in. And so Peter, in the book of John, it talks about how after that failure and Jesus died and rose again, even after Jesus rose, I think Peter was still in depression. Uh, I feel that way because he went back to his boat. He went back to his uh, fishing boat. And I think in his mind, I think there was a temptation there of, I don't think I'm qualified for ministry. I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm going to go back to fishing these fish don't judge me anyways. I feel more comfortable with these fish. Uh, and so I think there was a part of him that, that wanted to run away from the table, and he did. And How many of you know Jesus came after him? As Jesus came up to the shore, and when Peter wasn't catching anything, Jesus yelled, yelled out to him. He said, throw your nets on the other side. I think in that moment, Peter heard that voice. And he remembered, he remembered. That's the voice that called my name in the beginning. I think he heard that voice and it awoke all of those things inside of his heart. All the affection of Jesus. I don't don't even think he had time to think about the failure and the condemnation. I think he just responded to the voice of Jesus and he jumped over the side of the boat and swam right to Jesus. That's what we need to do when we hear the voice of Jesus. We need to go right away, jump out of the boat and go swim to Jesus. And so he gets to the shore and he walks up the beach and Jesus had prepared a meal for him. And it includes this interesting detail that he cooked over a coal of fires or a fire of coal, sorry. You know, no detail in the Bible is insignificant. Why do he mention the coal? Well, because when Peter denied Jesus, they were standing around a fire of coals. And I believe, you know, memory, smell is the strongest sense tied to memory, you know. And so I think that when he smelled those coals, I think he remembered what he had done. And I think he felt that shame starting to creep back up in his life of, I don't deserve this. Jesus is about to let me have it. Jesus is about to scold me. 
he remembered that shame and he was having to confront it and deal with it. He was having to judge it in himself. But what did Jesus do? Jesus said, Peter, do you love me more than these? And I heard one minister describe this story in a certain way that I've never forgotten. It impacted me deeply. And he, he said, he believes that when Jesus said that, he stuck out his hand and said, Peter, do you love me more than these? I think he maybe was pointing to the disciples. But what did Peter see when Jesus stuck out his hand? He saw the scars in his hands. And then Jesus asked again, Peter, do you love me more than these? And he stuck out his other hand. Peter saw the scars. And Peter said, you know, three times Peter said, I love you. That's the other element of this, that Jesus had Peter confess, I love you. He had him confess in faith. I love you. I love you. So here, but here's Jesus and he's got his arms stretched out. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? A third time and Peter's looking at Jesus, I believe with his arms stretched wide, his arms stretched wide and Jesus is, is, is reminding Peter of the cross and saying, Peter, I'm not asking you to come to me based upon your answer to these questions. It's not about your love for me, Peter. I'm restoring you right now because of my love for you that you don't come, I'm not restoring you based upon your performance or your ability. I'm restoring you because I love you. My love for you is greater than your love for me. I mean, we don't come to the table because our love for him is so great. We come to the table because his love for us is so great. Whatever you need today, however far away you feel today, the arms of Jesus are spread wide open for you. And it's saying nothing you have done or will ever do will be far enough away that these arms of love aren't extended to you. There's nothing you could ever do to overcome, to overcome, to to be greater than the price that was paid for you. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And so Jesus was telling Peter, the way back to the table is through the cross. Look at what I've done for you. And so this morning, as we partake of communion, I want us to judge ourselves, not on our performance and what qualifies us for the table, but I want us to judge, do you believe what Jesus did for you? Because if you do, you'll come running into his arms. If you do, you, 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 there is action to our faith. There must be. If you do, then you won't hesitate to run. And so when we, when, we, we, when we don't, when we're not running after him, it begs this question of what am I not believing, God? Show me. Show me, God, where I'm missing it. Show me where I need to strengthen my faith in you and your grace and the cross and what you did for me. And so whatever you need this morning too, Whatever situation may be judging you in in life, man, now is the time for examination. Uh, But hear the Lord say that that you have what it takes, that this situation that's trying to judge you, that is actually designed as an opportunity uh, for you to grow in faith. That God, you know, God doesn't cause these situations, but he, he's, he's sovereign over them in the sense that like he will allow you to, to go through these things. And, and if you stick close with him and if you discern his body, they will, they will work to strengthen your faith. You know, Romans says that we rejoice in trials and tribulations, knowing that the testing of our faith produces perseverance and hope and faith. And so, these situations and circumstances, see the hope in it. 
see the hope in it. So we come to the table to remember there's so much hope. God's got everything you need at the table to overcome anything in in your life. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our head and close our eyes really quickly. You know, I talked about the judgment of God. It's, it's, he, he doesn't look to hammer us for our mistakes, but the Bible does speak of a fearful judgment of God that if we are not found in him, if we have not given our lives to Jesus, there is a fearful judgment uh, and that we do need to have a healthy fear of that. And if you're in this place this morning and you say, I'm not sure where I stand with God. I'm not sure if I truly belong at the table. I'm not sure if I've ever received what he's done for me. If that's you, you need to know today. You need to make sure today that you are in the family of God. You need to make sure today that you're in Christ and you can do that today. I'm gonna ask you to take one step and that's just to lift up your hand and say, that's me. I need to receive Jesus as my savior this morning. So if that's you in this place, please lift up your hand. Lift up your hand and say, that's me. I need to receive Jesus. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for those hands. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Amen. People coming to the table. People coming to the table. (laughs) Thank you for those hands. People coming to the table. Amen. Let's all say this together. Say, Lord God, I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. I choose to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I come to the table right now and I receive mercy and I receive grace. I want to join your family, God. I thank you for all that you provided for me. And I receive it right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate that this morning.